All right. We have a wonderful treat this morning. First, I want to welcome our visitor, Autry. So good to have you with us, brother. But we have an SUM alumni. I don't know what class. Class of what? Class of 2016 in the house. SUM alumni, also an awesome deacon at Metro Praise, and also a pastoral intern on our staff with us. Mighty woman of God who has a word for you this morning. Would you give it up for Tina as she comes, please? Amen, amen. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. What a great honor and privilege to be here with y'all on this end <laughs> of the table. And uh, just, you know, to give, right? I, I was in your place before, and I received a lot, um, you know, from awesome pastors and leaders and the professors and the SUM. And it was a really big part of my growth um, in knowledge of knowing the word of God and knowing how important it is to know what you're studying, right? And to know what you're reading and all that. So it is a, it's, it's so amazing to be up here. Y'all just don't know how long it's been <laughs> since I've been like, you know, this is it. This is for me like stepping in to the promises of God for my life. This is me doing that right now. And I'm just like ecstatic. I mean, you can't see it because I have to control myself here. But y'all know, you know, you know me. I, I be dancing and everything, okay? <clears throat> the title of my message is Nowhere to Hide. Nowhere to Hide. And as I was praying for this uh, time with you guys, I was asking the Lord to give me a word for SUM, for, for this cohort, you know, for us in this time that we are in. Because as you all know, we are not in the, you know, green grass pastures of, of this time. We are in like, we're seeing dead bones, fields, and stuff like that. We're just watching people die spiritually everywhere we look as they are put into places where they need to speak up and where they need to stand firm. And I'm telling you guys right now that it's, it's, today is the day to make a choice, to make a commitment to God like he has made it to you to say yes to him and no to the world. Yes to him and no to self. Yes to him and no to anything that may come and distract you from the calling that God has placed in your life. Okay? When I accepted my place in, in my calling at SUM, I made a choice. I made a commitment to God that it was going to be forever. There wasn't going to come a time that something was going to take me away. Cancer didn't keep me away from God. My brother's death didn't keep me away from God. My children walking away didn't keep me away from God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God because he has called me by his power and his authority. And that is the same thing that you guys should walk away with today, with that commitment solid that no one can break it. Not your wives, not your girlfriends, not your babies, nobody. Not your mothers, not your fathers, not your jobs. Nobody should take that away from you. Because it is more precious and it is eternal. It is eternal. <clears throat> In Jeremiah 25, I'm going to read a, a passage of scripture here. I'm actually going to do the NLT. Um, I'm using the NLT because it just goes in with what I'm going to be talking about today. And it says this. Um, now prophesy all these things. Now he's, you know, the Lord is giving Jeremiah, he gave him a calling, right? He called him from birth. He, he said, man, I knitted you. I put you together in your mother's womb. I'm calling you to do these things. Jeremiah wasn't happy about it. He was like, man, I, I can't get married. You mean I can't live a normal life? I can't do this. I can't do that. But the Lord said, I have called you to these things. He struggled with it, but he had no choice. 
because the calling of God was so strong on him that he had to die to the flesh and follow the will of the Father. And thank God he did that because he leaves us this message for us today to be able to stand firm and know, get to know what happens when we don't follow the will of God. It may look good for a while, but I'm telling you, that good is going to, right away, you're going to fall into a ditch if you think you can do things without the will of God in your life. It says here, the Lord will roar against his own land from his holy dwelling in heaven. He will shout like those who tread on grapes. He will shout against everyone on earth. Let me just put this into perspective for you. What does it look like for some, somebody shouting as they tread on grapes? They ain't crying. They ain't mourning. They're dancing. Dun, 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 dun. Let, let me do this. I'm tread these grapes. I'm making this wine right? He's saying the Lord will roar against his own land from his holy dwelling in heaven. He will shout like those who tread on grapes. He will shout against everyone on earth. His cry of judgment will reach the ends of the earth for the Lord will bring his case against all nations. He will judge all the people of the earth, slaughtering the wicked with the sword. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look, disaster will fall upon nation after nation. A great whirlwind of fury is rising from the most distant corners of the earth. Sounds like today, right? See, there ain't nothing new under the sun. These things have happened in before and the past. People have walked away from God a number of times since the very beginning. They have turned their backs on God. From the very simplest thing as, as Adam and Eve, not taking from the fruit of the tree, right, the tree of knowledge, to just the very hard things, right? Why, I mean, and it blows my mind because it's like Paul had one of the hardest things to do, but he had the hardest impact. He made the choice to follow Jesus. And when it's hard, it must be working. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that day, those the Lord has slaughtered will fill the earth from one end to the other. No one will mourn for them or gather up their bodies to bury them. They will be scattered on the ground like manure. Have you ever seen some poop on the floor? <laughs> They're going to be scattered around like that. I don't want to be that person. I don't think y'all want to be that them people. You know, you, you brothers and sisters do not want to be those people. Weep and moan, you evil shepherds. Roll in the dust, you leaders of the flock. The time of your slaughter has arrived. You will fall and shatter like a fragile vase. You will find no place to hide. There will be no way to escape. We know that this is true, right? Because Jonah tried to run from his calling. He couldn't run. He put him in a whale, <laughs> you know? There's nowhere to run when God has a calling on your life, right? And there's nowhere to hide. If that is the, the most serious thing that has hit me this season is that no matter how I put it, no matter how we think, we can't hide from God. And I'm going to move on to my next scripture, which is in Psalm 139, 1 through 12. And this is in the um, NIV. Now, I know the scripture is from David, and he's, you know, giving his, his, his calling out to God, but he's really saying what God wants him to say for this very reason. So people like us today, you know, in, in, in nations, because we suffer here, you know, whatever we suffer, but in other nations, these guys are getting their heads chopped off. They're being taken from their homes because they say the name of Jesus, because they declare the righteousness of the Lord. And us, we're reading 139. <laughs> but we're going to read it like this. 
And I, want, I pray in Jesus' name that as I read this, it really hits your heart the way it's hit mine these last few weeks as I've been studying for this day. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If you go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will, not, will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. There is no darkness in God. He is light, and wherever he enters, darkness must flee. He must flee. This took me back to the very beginning with, again, with Eve and Adam. You know, they, betrayed, they disobeyed God. It was a simple thing. Right? The serpent came, he slithered some nonsense into Eve's ear, and he was like, surely we won't die. You know, it's okay. Yeah, I believe him. I mean, the fruit's good. He, she eats it, and what happens at that moment? Their eyes are opened, and they notice that they're naked. And what do they do? They run, and they go hide when they hear the Lord coming. In Genesis 3, 8 through 12, it says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the, Lord called, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. God knows our every detail. He knows the thoughts that are in your mind before they come out of your mouth. Do not try to trick God. Do not try to think that, you know, we can hold on to things. And they could be small little things, you know, offense, bitterness, some kind of, you know, disagreement. Those little things will turn into such a big, nasty tree in your life, and they will bear bad fruit. But God sees it now. It's time to start putting yourself in God's presence now and accepting that you can hide in him and not from him. Hide in him and not from him. When you do that, that's when things come about. <clears throat> and we see God work in our lives in such a mighty way, in such a big impact in our lives. Um, so I was going to go ahead and just, you know, talk about how humanity has failed God, right? We know humanity will fail God because we're imperfect, right? We're, we're not like him. We're made in his image, but we're not like him. We can't ever be 100%. We don't know more than God. We don't know more than he's all-knowing. He is omniscient. He's, he knows everything, right? But we see that in the beginning it was with, um, with, Noah, I mean, with Eve and, and, uh, and, and Adam who failed him. And then it comes to Noah's Ark, right? He gives him a chance. He's like, man, you know what? I'm going to just destroy the whole earth. Because these people just don't get it. They just want to keep messing up and messing up and messing up. He destroys the whole earth. Then he comes again, puts in a new earth. They start making more, you know, humanity and whatnot. 
And then it says in, in uh, Genesis 6, it says God will not contend with humanity, right? Because they lived to like 800, 900 years old. And he tells them, no, I can't even, do, I can't even have you guys on earth for 800 years. <laughs> Let's cut that short. You can live up to 100, <laughs> you know? So he cuts it short. But then they still, because we're intelligent, right? God didn't create stupid people. <laughs> he created very smart, intelligent people, right? What do they do? They start building the Tower of Babel. And he says, man, if these guys can do this much, they'll reach heavens and what, nothing will stop them. Let me scatter them, right? So he goes off and scatters them. He's been dealing with humanity for ages, since the very beginning, right? We know this. See, they didn't know what we know now. We have the honor and privilege of reading the word of God and learning from that. They lived through this. They were our testing grounds. They were our guinea pigs. They were the ones that got put through the fire, tested in that, so that we can have the word today, so we don't have an excuse. There is no excuse. No excuse at all. Oh, but this. Oh, but the Bible. You know? Oh, but I love him. Oh, but, the, but God loves you more. He's the lover of your soul. Oh, but I just had my baby. Oh, but the, but the calling on your life does not stop. You go and you take that baby and you trust the Lord with it. Oh, but my kids are walking away from the Lord. Oh, but you're not walking away from the Lord. You can't take them with you on your back. I can't put my kids on my back. I pray for them every day to stay with the Lord. But if they don't, I told them straight to their face, y'all going to go to hell without me because I'm going to heaven. I love you, and this is as much as I can do to love you, but y'all going to hell without me, and I'm going to pray for you not to do it, you know? We need to make a decision to commit our lives to God, because if the person next to us doesn't want to do it, so be it. That is their choice. We have free will to choose what we want to choose, and we must choose the will of God over our lives in order to succeed and move forward from this life, and not just because of what God can give us. That's another thing. Are you doing it because what God can give you? Are you doing it because God is blessing you? What happens when God doesn't show up and your brother gets shot in the head? Do you now run from him or do you run to God? What happens when the doctor says you have cancer? Do you now shrivel up and hide? Or do you get up and say, God is my, hey, if I'm going to die, at least I'm going to heaven and I know that for sure. And I'm going to make sure everybody around me while I'm still on this earth knows that Jesus is real, God is real, eternity is real. And if they do not accept him, they will die and go to hell. We need to make a choice, a firm choice. I've seen a lot of times people sit here and say, this is it, amen, hallelujah. They sing the songs and they praise the Lord and they're, you know, declaring all these things and one little thing comes their way. And all of a sudden their whole life is upside down. Now let me tell you something. I had little things come my way. Okay? I'm not standing up here like some righteous woman saying, <laughs> you know, saying, hey, I never went through it. No, I went through my things. I've been in that back room laying flat on the floor crying out to God saying, Lord Jesus, tell me what to do because I'm about to run out this door. And you want to know what the Lord said to me? He said, where are you going to go? Because wherever you go, I haven't called you. If you go without me, I haven't called you. So what are you going to do? I was like, well, I guess I'm going to stay right here and cry. I cried for seven days, y'all, okay? Let me tell you, I cried for seven days, beating the flesh, telling, not literally beating my flesh, y'all. Please don't take it there. <laughs> but, you know, like really crucifying my flesh. And declaring the righteousness of the Lord. He even gave me scripture. Because I took offense over my own pastor. Okay? 
He gave me scripture. He said, when, what do you think, hap what happened to Aaron and Miriam when they went to Moses and told him, who do you think you are telling me what to do? Who do you think this is? He goes, I gave them leprosy. I was like, oh, no, Jesus, I don't want none of that. I'm good. I want your blessings, you know. I want your blessings. So I'm not standing up here like someone who had it all together. It's been 10 years since I have been saved. I graduated. <laughs> Amen. Praise God for what he's brought me from addictions, fornication. I have three children, one of them, well, four children, but, but two of them are alive. I had an abortion, all out of wedlock, all of them out of wedlock, okay? I was roaming this earth alone since I was, you know, since I can remember taking care of myself, just beating the wind aimlessly. Where do I go? Where do I go? And I met Jesus on January 7th of 2011. I praise God every time because I met true love that day. Capital L, love. Not that little wimpy L love that says, oh, if you love your dog, that's love. No, 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 no. Love. Love from God that keeps no records of wrongs. Love from God that builds you up and doesn't tear you down. Love from God that is true enough to tell you you are wrong, you need to stop what you're doing, or you're going to die. That is the love that I met that day, and I was so happy because I was such a hateful person. <laughs> you know? Ooh, we can go on with scriptures. I have, man, I have a lot of scriptures here about places where we hide when we're trying to run from God. And God telling us there is no place, you know. Um, here we go. And uh, I'm going to move on to, to what I was going to say. The Lord is closer than ever to returning. Are you ready? You don't have to be running your own church to be ready. You don't have to be the pastor of a ministry, to be ready. You don't even have to be a deacon to be ready. You can be just who you are, but are you ready is the question. God's not going to wait. Death isn't going to wait for you to meet your milestones and become a pastor and have your own church. If, your death is if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You must be ready. Before you put your head down at night, are you ready to meet Jesus? Because if not, there's no place to hide. The wrath of God is going to come upon us, and it's not going to have mercy on anyone. No one. Not a child. No one. Not a mother, not grandmas. No one. Let's say, though, that the Lord tarries and he doesn't come for years. Years. I'm talking about when your grandchildren are having children. Will your great-grandchildren be ready to meet the Lord? Will they be ready? Will they understand that there's nowhere to hide? That's the kind of life we need to live now. We need to live a life that we know is going to impact our great-grandchildren. Because if we're facing this right now, it's only going to get worse. Imagine what they're going to face or what we'll be facing then when they're standing before the judges, when they're standing before the mockers, when they're standing before the wickedness. They might not just get threatened to blow the church up. They might just do it. Let that put the fear of God in you even more. I think about that. I look at Israel, my grandson, and I'm like, dude, you're going to be on fire for Jesus. I'll be praying over him. I want him to speak in tongues by the time he's two. <laughs> we won't know, though, because, right, they start speaking at that time. So we'll see. No. But, yeah, we got to think that way. It's, it's, it is about us being right with God, but it is also about others around us. How are we impacting those people? 
Is it good? Is it bad? Like, or do they want to be around us? Do they not want to be around us? And then sometimes that's even different, right? Because some people don't want to be around us because we tell them the truth. Some people want to be around us because we tell them the truth. See how it is these days? It just is what it is, right? Who are you performing for? When you go out and do your daily duties, and this is not standing on stage, again, this is in your personal life, outside of SUM chapel, outside of SUM classes, outside of ministries week in and week out, outside of evangelism, in your time with the Lord, in your time by yourself when you're walking down the street. Who are you performing for? Because even then, God is with you. Even then, he's with you. I remember laying on the table when I was going to get... Um, when I was going to get a, a, a spotty scan, right, to see if the cancer had left. I had, I had thyroid cancer, by the way. Um, and luckily, it's a, it's a little thing. It was easily fixed, right? But it was still a scary process, right? The word itself makes you want to shiver, like, uh, what do I do now? You know, like, I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. He said he could raise the dead. He better, you know, either I'm going to die and he's going to bring me back to life or you know, I don't know, you know. Um, but I was laying on that, on that bed, and I couldn't take anyone with me. I wanted so bad for my mom to be there or my daughter to be there. I wanted so bad for someone to be there with me. It is so lonely when you're going through that and you don't know what's going to happen, what the results are going to be. And I laid on that table and as I was going in, oh, I can cry right now. I remember closing my eyes saying, Jesus, and he said, you're not alone. All I said was Jesus. And he said, you're not alone. I'm right here with you. Tears streamed down my eyes because the reality of Jesus being with me day in and day out is so true. It is so true. I want to tell you all about the times where I wasn't right with God and he was with me. <laughs> because it's so real. It is so real. I had struggled with anger for a long time in my life. And this last, you know, uh, time, it was so bad that I doubted my salvation I doubted if God was real. I doubted if God was who he said he was. Because I was so angry. And I just could not change. I could not control it. And I even told my husband, I said, I need to go to a therapist. And he said, no, you need Jesus. <laughs> and I said, no, don't tell me I need, you know, Jesus right now. I need a therapist. And he's like, how long have you seen a therapist for your anger? Now, mind you, I have... You know, PT, I had PTSD, I had all those things. I've been, I, I have a history, and if you guys want to know about it, I'll talk to you more about it later, but I have a history that built up to the moment of me being so enraged and full of anger. Not an excuse, but it was something I finally had to deal with head on. It wasn't no more dusting it under the carpet. It wasn't no more putting it in the back pocket, like it's going to be all right. Oh, it's over here, shooing it away. No, God was like, you got to face this head on. And I did, and it wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. I'm, it's not a nice thing. And so he said to me, um, let's make a deal. He, oh, he said to me, um, how long have you seen a psychiatrist or, or a psychologist? And I said, since I was about 25. He goes, and how has that worked for you? <laughs> now I'm like 20, I'm 30 years old. Wait, I forgot my age, y'all. But anyway, I was older, okay? This is 15 years later or something, 10 years later. And I was like, man. And he goes, okay, let's make a deal. He said, you seek Jesus and you spend time with him one hour a day devotedly to Jesus for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, if you still feel the same way and that didn't help, he's like, 
I will go with you personally to a psychiatrist. I will sit with you through the sessions and we'll work through it together. And I was like, amen. I wasn't that nice, but anyway. And I said, amen. Let me tell you guys, this was in June. In August, I realized that I didn't need a psychiatrist because I felt no more anger as much as I did that time. And I looked at him and I said, how long has it been since we made that deal? He goes, it's been like 60 days. (laughs) And I was like, praise God, because that's all it took. And I'm not saying that psychiatrists and psychologists aren't good and, you know, they may help for a time or, or not, you know. But what I'm saying is God was there with me through those times. He showed up in my life. Okay. When I was angry, he was telling me, stop it. Stop it or you're going to lose. The days that I wanted to run away because I was so angry that I didn't want to face no one. I wanted to give up my whole family. I was like, forget my daughter, forget my pastors, all those people. And I would cry as I was saying it. And I'm like, I'm just going to walk out the door and walk straight out and just keep walking until I get somewhere. And God said to me, what are you going to do? You're still going to be miserable without anybody. The difference is you won't have other people around you. I was like, okay, Jesus, there ain't nowhere to hide. (laughs) Amen. So my question to you is this. What will it take? What will it take to drag you away from God? What will it take to make you think that you can hide from him? Will it be a heartache, a breakup? Would it be the loss of a child? That's hard, guys. It's not easy. I've seen women go through it, and I cried my eyeballs out. I can't imagine how they felt being the one who lost the child, right? Will it be your parents passing away? What will it take? Should it take anything? Absolutely not. It can't. It shouldn't. Because the same way God created you to be one with you is the same way God created them to be one with them. And if they chose not to do the will of the Father while they were here and all those other things, then that's between them and the Lord. You did your part, right? And that's where the peace comes in. Some some family members have left and they're in heaven. I mean, um, and people are like, well, I don't know if they got saved. Like my brother. I preached to my brother many times. I talked to him about Jesus. He was serving seven different religions in Guatemala. Mormonism, he was, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, Christians. He was doing it all. And he's like, I got God. And I was like, you don't got the real God, dude. You can't go, you know, moving around. So when he passed away, that was my biggest outcry. I was just crying out, God, save him. Save him, God. If not on earth, then in heaven. Save him, interceding for him. Do I know if my brother's in heaven or not? I won't know until I get up there. But my hope, an awesome sister told me when I cried to her and she said, You could only have hope that your brother's there, and that's enough, you know? So we got to keep moving for for the Lord. Now, here is, um, you know, again, God's will or your will. There's a difference. And the word will define that difference as you spend time with him. It'll be written out elaborately for you. Like, this is God's will for your life, and this isn't. Sometimes it's not easy to choose God's will, you know, because he'll tell you. To give up on that eight-month relationship that you're having that was going so well and you felt like it was the Lord's will and all these other things. And you're like, "Mm, but Lord, I heard you. I heard you speak about these things, right? I heard you testify to me about you. Like, everything that has come through is an answer to the prayers that I've had. And now you're telling me to leave? Why? Will you trust God? Isaac, uh, um, Abraham trusted God, right? His promised child. Every, every prayer answered, but he still took him to the mountain, right? So trust the Lord in what he's doing. Now, 
I'm going to just switch over to this real quick. You can run, but you can't hide. But you can run and hide in him. Here's the scriptures for that, right? Because we're not going to leave on a sour like, oh, man, I can't hide from the Lord. No, you can hide in him. Okay, Psalm 17, 8 says this, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. You got cancer. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. The rioters are coming, Jesus. Keep me safe in your dwelling, right? He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Psalm 31:20 says, in the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling for accusing tongues. Those mockers, those slanderers, they're coming against God. The word of God says, who, uh, who can come against you, right? No one can come against you because they come against him. You are, in Psalm 32, 7, I have quite a few, so. In Psalm 32, 7, it says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Mind you of somebody? Paul sang them songs in them prison cells and they broke open. Let's start getting that in our hearts because we'll find ourselves in a prison cell. And will we be singing or will we be crying? Hide in him. Hide in him. Psalm 64, 2 says this, hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. We see that rising up so much more now. And even in our own personal lives with our family members, right, with our friends. Some people are losing their best friends of years. It's not an easy thing, but God is there with you. And he, they can't hide from him, you can't hide from him. But we will be held accountable for our actions, for what we do. Last one, Psalm 119, 114 says, You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Put your hope in his word and walk, standing firm, walk powerfully, knowing that not only has God, you know, given you power and authority, but he's given you himself who is all-knowing. He is all-knowing. That's all I have for you guys today. Um, thank you so much for having me. Great job. Let's all come to the front. Lawrence is going to come on the keys. Tina, if you'll just uh, kindly maybe pray over our students. Let's end on a... If you could, can you move this for me, brother? <laughs> I'm like dragging it along. Come on, let's lift our hands. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for your word, oh God. We thank you that we can hide in you. Jesus, we know that there is no place that we can go that your presence is not, that your eyes are not, God. And I pray, Lord, for the word that Tina spoke this morning, I pray that hearts would be convicted, oh God. I pray, Lord, whatever was supposed to be for them, that they would receive it this morning, God, that we would be willing to let go of everything that is not of you, oh God, that we wouldn't think that we could outsmart you, Holy Spirit. Oh, we pray, God, that we would understand that there is nowhere that we can go from your presence, God. And I pray that we wouldn't want to, that we wouldn't want to walk in a place that you are not, that we would not want to take things for our life that you do not have for us, God. We say, have your way. Your will be done, oh God. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will in my life. Not my will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray over our